Okay, our next guest on the Thanksgiving special episode of the Irish NFL Show is none other than NFL Network reporter Gian Slater. Gian, your second time on the Irish NFL Show, a very, very warm welcome and thank you for coming back, especially during the season and on Thanksgiving week. No problem. Happy to uh, get it to work. Thank you guys for working around the schedule. You can see I'm actually, I'll give you kind of a bird's eye view. This is the press conference room where the Cowboys do uh, the Mike McCarthy presser. And then this is where we often feel like we're animals in a zoo because tours come through here um, and check us all out while we're inside here. So today, very busy. We had practice um, and then I had phoners with the Raiders team. And then after this, go downstairs. The Cowboys have an entire podcast room. So we do a thing called Media Mash with all the media members uh, once a week. So exciting week uh, where I'm looking forward to moving off of the film from the Kansas game and focusing on the next one, as I'm sure yeah. they are. Too. <laughs> it's, it's always good to have a short week in the NFL, especially when there's three games on. Jen, I, I actually missed your first appearance. I, I, I can't remember why, but I was gutted that I missed it. But you did tell the guys the last time that you wanted to maybe go and discover your Irish heritage. I know you've been very busy this season. Have you had a chance to do that at all? Or I haven't, but my... I, so the last time I was on here, I told them that my dad, who was the youngest of six siblings, did a 23andMe test and found out that our last name is not Slater. Uh, we think it's O'Looney or Collins and right off the boat uh, from Ireland. And we think it's somewhere around Cary. What is it? Cary Island? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but the problem is with the Irish, they have like 10 brothers and sisters and families and all of them ended up in San Francisco and were firefighters and in the local community. So we've had a tricky time uh, linking it, but that's where all of our lineage has gone. So in fact, I'm very Irish and kind of excited about it because all of our family loves to drink and have a good time and uh, a lot cooler than just being English. <laughs> well, I think, Jane, that would suggest that you need to do a family trip to Ireland and, uh, you know, drink drink and enjoy your, yourself in Dublin. And you certainly have people who will uh, show you around all of the, the island. My mother is from Kerry and I know Cork as well. And we got Michael up north. So you got tour guides everywhere. That would be amazing. Don't be surprised if I actually end up taking you up on that sometime. <laughs> we'd be we'd be delighted. But um, moving on to, to the Cowboys, and I think one of the, the success stories in the NFL this season, um, you know, I think he's he's head and shoulders above everybody for defensive rookie of the year, Micah Parsons. He has been phenomenal. They they drafted him as an inside linebacker. He's moved to the edge. Can you talk to us about him as a person and I suppose just his impact on the Cowboys team? Well, it's interesting that this conversation came up today, even with Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan here, which is a radio station that uh, does a, Jerry's interviews on Tuesdays. And he had said that he didn't want an inside linebacker. He wanted a pressure player. And even Micah conceded that they sat him down and said they had slated at that pick a corner that they needed him to prove his value. And I was talking about this with someone else because this defensive staff was so awful last year. The defensive line coach, uh, Jim Tomsula and Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator. I mean, when players told me they were trash and couldn't teach, blah, blah, blah. What stood out to me was uh, what players like Leighton Vandresh were saying early on uh, and Randy Gregory without even prompting them just how much they loved Dan Quinn. And I just kept thinking, what if Micah Parsons had been picked there and he had gone to Mike Nolan and said, I want to 
to rush the passer. I want to be on the edge. I don't think Mike Nolan would have known what to do with Micah Parsons and what a waste of this rookie campaign for him. Whereas Dan Quinn has felt so collaborative. The players have said, if something doesn't work, they throw it out. Um, and the fact that Micah went up to him and said, you know, I've barely played edge rush, I barely played it in college, didn't play my senior year of college at all. Uh, but I want you to let me try something here. And to see him say, let's see what you got, kid. And to slowly keep putting things on his plate. But in the absence of Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence, not fully committing him to that role, which I think gives this defense an element of surprise that they haven't had in the past. And so credit to Dan Quinn for, I think, getting the most out of Micah. But what I love about Micah is we had practice not too long ago. And I had asked him about, what does it mean to have someone like Patrick Mahomes say that you're a special player, that as a rookie, you stood out? And he said, you know, everyone keeps talking about the rookie wall. And he says, I don't know if I buy into that. He goes, I want to keep climbing that wall because I want to see what's on the other side. Uh, but just to have the league take notice of him, DeMarcus Ware and I had a conversation about him at the beginning of the season. And I asked him how he should use him. And the Cowboys are actually utilizing him very similar to what Ware said they should have which was he played this three, four hybrid role um, and in working with Micah, he thought he was very capable of it. And what I love about Jerry Jones is he always takes into consideration the opinions of others smarter than him. Like there was somebody that once told me he's the type of guy that asks the garbage man, what's he, what's he think about the Cowboys? And I got the sense that he really, I mean, obviously you perk up when you talk about a guy like DeMarcus Ware and, and what he says, but I just think it really, really stood out that Mike has made such an impact so quickly on not only his teammates, but across the league. Yeah, and a slight adjustment away from the Cowboys. And obviously you might have heard the news today that Jason Garrett has been uh, fired by the Giants as coordinator. Uh, you know him very well from his time in Dallas, you know, and nearly a decade there as head coach. Are you surprised it hasn't worked out? And where do you think that leaves him in the future? Bearing in mind the only last offseason he was interviewing for the Chargers job. I've always thought Jason would be an incredible college football coach. I think he's good with building up men. Uh, I think a lot of these guys really bought into the process. Even Ezekiel Elliott was asked about him today, and he talked about how close they were. What I always loved seeing was uh, Jason working out with Dak Prescott after practice. And we didn't always love the process. We didn't always love things about Jason, but he was consistent. And I think even when you talk about disciplining kids, right? I don't want to compare NFL grown men to kids. People like expectations. They like a clear set of here's the playbook. And I think that's what stood out for me uh, about Jason. But I think if you just looked at the offense, and this happens with coaches across the league. I mean, Dan Quinn himself said that he had to go back to the drawing board. He asked for people to give their assessment of him as a leader and as a coach. And he really was introspective about that and then has used some of that introspection to even help these guys here. I think it wouldn't hurt. Jason to have that year away and also I haven't heard the greatest of things about the way Joe Judge leads and the way that he's handled things in New York um and so I think Jason was sort of the sacrificial lamb wouldn't be surprised if Joe Judge is down the line uh and David Gettleman too the GM I just think they haven't made a lot of 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 great moves but uh yeah, it's unfortunate, but I think he would be a dynamic college coach. I'm sure he'll get some looks somewhere else. Uh, 
for people thinking it'll be back in Dallas, I don't see that happening. It's like when people kept saying, well, Des is going to come back. And I'm like, no, he's not. Like, it's very rare to see someone like a Cam Newton come back to, the, to an organization or, um, God, what's another example of that? I mean, there's not too many of it where you can go back to where you came from. So I don't see Jason Garrett uh, coming back. I mean, I could see Jason Garrett possibly in scouting, you know, that's what his dad did. And, you know, I think he's pretty good at that, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be something here. I really think he'd be really great at college. TCU is looking for a head football coach. Wouldn't, you know, TCU is here in Fort Worth for your fans that aren't familiar with them. Uh, Gary Patterson after, I think it was two decades as the head coach, he would be an intriguing possibility. No one's tossed that around. I haven't heard that yet, but I think it might be interesting. Let's see what happens. Hopefully by the time this goes out, nothing has happened yet, but let's see. Uh, the last day you were on, G, and the day after Dak Prescott signed his contract, are, are you surprised with how well he's played after suffering such a serious injury last year? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, that was the way it was described to me when it happened was the it was like a tornado came through, blew down the house. You're able to build back uh, the bones of the house, in other words, the structure of it, but the wiring was messed up. And so you hear that and then you see the way that he played and then to have this shoulder injury that was unique to baseball players uh, that they were very, very careful with. They talked to the Rangers and they talked to the Yankees, which was really extraordinary. You know, when you look at injuries in the league, you compare them to others. You know, even when you look at the combine, there's all these comps. They didn't really have a comp on the shoulder, uh, but they were really smart about it and they brought him back uh, I know there's some people questioning if there's something off with Dak still. I just think Dak goes as his offensive line goes. They've had a lot of problems with, they haven't had the starting five at all this year. Zach Martin missed with COVID the, the first game of the season. You know, then they played with the left side and moved Con Connor Williams, I think was one of the most, the most penalties in the league. It was ridiculous. So they moved him out, moved Connor McGovern over and then Terrence still, I just don't think has made a lot of sense on the left side. And what's fascinating about all of it is when we would ask that um, Mike McCarthy about moving certain players on the uh, offensive line, he kept saying, well, that's fantasy football. Well, they've been playing a lot of fantasy football this year, moving guys around. So they've been playing their cards real close to the vest, which is why a lot of us didn't have the scoop that Tyron Smith was not playing against the Chiefs on Sunday. And obviously the Chiefs were preparing for that. But him getting sacked five times, being under duress, it, 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 was, it was a tough one to watch. They held their own, obviously, against um, the Falcons. But I think when you look at this game this week with Max Crosby, uh, Yannick and Jaku, like, that's a really tough uh, front four that's rushing. And I think they're going to find themselves in a very similar situation as you saw against the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Raiders could do it again. And it'd be another, they've lost these two AFC games. What happens when it's happens three times, I think got to be a little careful with, uh, with the Raiders defensively, offensively, not, not too worried about them. Well, I suppose one of the, the people who's going to be tasked with scheming for that is obviously the, the OC, Kellen Moore. And, you know, he's a guy who's getting so much talk around the league, Jane. But for fans over this side of the Atlantic, can you talk to us a little bit? He's a, he's a young guy, but obviously very smart. Um, talk about him potentially as a, as a head coach candidate. Do you see that being a real thing? Is Jerry going to be able to keep hold of him? What's the story just around Moore in general? You know, it's fascinating with uh, Kellen Moore. 
he doesn't strike me as an overtly ambitious person. Uh, in other words, with Sean Payton, you knew he was overtly ambitious. This was a guy when he was the offensive coordinator here who was equally talked about as a sort of a wonder kid. It was very clear that he wanted greater things. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's a situation where Kellen doesn't want that. And I also think you have to be careful. You got to strike while the iron's hot because Chris Richard was a hot candidate. And then he stuck around another year and then he wasn't. Now, of course, he's in New Orleans. So it, it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I mean, the thing is, Kellen is still very young, but what he's done with this offense has been incredible. They, they need to get find a way to get back to the run game, which I think will fix itself once they get the offensive line back going. Um, but when you look at all the weapons that Dak has had, and last week was a terrible example of this, but Cedric Wilson, the way he's played at times, Malik Turner, even with his garbage time touchdowns, uh, Tony Pollard, Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarrett. I mean, go down the list. Uh, I think he'll be a dynamic coach. The guys really, really like him around here. It's just, he's got such a, a youthful personality. He doesn't have, I don't want to call it arrogance with Sean McVay, but there's like a real confidence. Kellen's just, uh, he's just a cool guy you'd watch football with. Like there's, there's no airs about him. There's no arrogance about him. And so you have a hard time thinking, you know, when you're the head coach of a football team, you've got to have some level of like these narcissistic traits. If Kellen has him, I just haven't really seen them. So it's not that I don't think he's going to be a great head coach because I see the way that these guys play for him. Uh, but maybe he's a little bit more like the Kevin Stefanski's of the world uh, up there in Cleveland, who just kind of have a little bit more of a laid back personality. Jane, I know you touched on you want to look forward to Thanksgiving more so than last weekend's game, but I just quickly want to just discuss that game last Sunday um, and I suppose just get the kind of general consensus of what's been said this week because a lot of people were surprised initially at the game last Sunday. The Chiefs came out running and the Cowboys came out throwing and everybody felt going into the game would be the other way around. I think in the end, it was 18 runs to 43 pass, passing attempts by Dak. Were you surprised how, I suppose, erratic the offense was last Sunday? I think it goes back to the offensive line. I mean, the offensive line, if you watched at certain time, I mean, Terrence Steele was getting manhandled over there on the left side. I mean, at left tackle, protecting the blind side of your quarterback, you've got a second year uh, player. And Terrence has done a really good job this year. And I think he did a great job on the right side. I don't want to take anything away from him. But then you're also putting another new guy on the left side in Connor McGovern. Uh, and so then with Zeke dealing with the knee situation, I just, and then you're throwing the ball and the balls are getting dropped or, Dak was overthrowing the balls at times. It's like, we're almost afraid to call Dak out because he's just so easy to deal with here and that like he's, it's not that I think that he gets favors here. It's just, I think a lot of us give him the benefit of the doubt because of the preparation and his commitment to the game, but it was not a great showing for him either. But I think a lot of that had to do with, he just wasn't being given a lot of time back there uh, to sort of set the line and do the things that he would typically do. So yeah, I just, I don't really know what to make, just like I didn't know what to make of the Broncos game either. I kept telling people, if you looked at the teams that they played and the way they won those games early in the season, I didn't have a big enough sample size to say what I thought of that Broncos game. But then the Kansas game pops up and offensively the struggle was there. But then I kept thinking, man, if you would have told me the Cowboys only put up nine points you would have thought this would have been a blowout, but the way the defense played, you're sitting there going, well, I mean, it was Kansas city. They did go to the super bowl um, last year. Uh, 
Kansas City has sort of turned it around. Arrowhead's a tough place to play. So it's just, it's hard to, it's, it's really hard to make sense of this team. But I think what's been impressive for me is the way that they've played with so many injuries. And look, injuries are happening across the league, but the Cowboys are missing their two defensive ends. Their starting left tackle. They've been playing with that offensive line. Amari Cooper, one of your best wide receivers, is out with COVID. You lose your CeeDee Lamb, your other best wide receiver, heading into the half, and then these guys are dropping balls. And so, again, injuries aren't an excuse, but those were some big ones. Yeah, it was just – I think I could talk about that game on Sunday for a whole day, and both sides of the ball, both defense and offense. I'm going to switch from football talk for a very, very quick second – and obviously Thanksgiving on Thursday, uh, this episode going out Thanksgiving tomorrow night. Um, it's different for us over here because it's after work, we get to come home and there's, there's three NFL games on. It's fantastic. But, you know, for you working on Thanksgiving, what's your Thanksgiving experience like obviously working within the NFL? And do you get time to maybe wind down in the evening and watch a late game? Or is it just like you have Thanksgiving on the Friday instead? Yeah, I mean... Before I even got into sports, I was a local news reporter. And so when you don't have kids or a family, you always sort of raise your hand and say, I've got Christmas, I've got Thanksgiving. And so since I graduated college in 2003, I've worked every holiday. So I'm just not used to having Thanksgiving off, especially when you cover the Cowboys and they've been playing on Thanksgiving for forever. I love being there. Um, Jerry has the most amazing food in the press box every week. I mean, it is a full-sized buffet. The mac and cheese is probably the best mac and cheese I've ever had. My mother is a terrible cook. And so uh, it's like the Thanksgiving dinner I don't get at home. Um, And then I get there at 6.30 in the morning. I'm there until about 7 o'clock at night. And then I crash. And this year I'll be visiting my family in Chicago. So I'll get up early and and fly out, get two days. And then I'm back because we've got a Thursday night game um, against the Saints the following week. So we're all sort of on... This has been a weird year, Cowboy schedule. It has not been an easy schedule. Opponents or travel or where they've been playing these games. Um, but yeah, I actually really enjoy watching uh, or watching the games, but also covering them on Thursdays for Thanksgiving. Jane, I'm actually stateside myself. My wife is from the, the States. I was in Soldier Field on uh, Sunday. So I'll have to make it down to Jerry's World and try out that mac and cheese uh, at some at So some good. Stage. But um, I'm interested, I suppose, in terms of the game on Thursday, game against the, the Raiders and two teams who started so hot, but for, you know, for the Raiders, obviously beset by off the field issues. What are your thoughts going into the, the, the game um, on Thursday in terms of what the Cowboys are going to face? You know, it's hard to say because Rod Marinelli, the former defensive coordinator, is obviously there in um with the Raiders, Rich Passaccia was the special teams coach here. He is now the head coach in the absence of Jay Gruden. So I know those guys are going to get their team ready to play in this one. It's personal for both of those coaches, right? Um, I remember Rod Marinelli saying something to me once. I'd have to find the tweet because I don't want to misquote him or I'll hear from him. But he, I essentially asked him about, you know, basically being fired. And he said, well, I served in Vietnam and there's not much worse than that. He sort of took it in stride, but um, I just got off the phone with Max Crosby, who was having a Pro Bowl season. The guy had uh, shoulder and hand surgery, and he says he's literally been at that building since January, so almost 11 months, and he just said that Rod Marinelli 
has helped him get better every single day and gets them ready to play. And they've got a really, really, I mean, their quarterback pressure rates the best in the league. So if you don't have Tyron Smith there, I think it could be another tough day. They've got a, a tough four man rush, the same as we saw with the chiefs and uh, the Broncos, but offensively, I tend to think that Dak is going to be able to turn it around. I, I, and even he said it, the offense goes as he goes. And so when he's, when he's feeling good and he's having a good game, uh, the Cowboys typically do too. And we saw Tyron Smith back out at practice today. Now, granted, we saw him last week at practice doing light work, but there seems to be a lot of optimism about his ability to play this week. And same for Steedy Lamb, which is crazy because, I mean, that seemed like he got, if you guys watched the playback, yep. Yep. the way his head popped right before the first half. And Taysom Hill uh, for the Saints had a concussion. I think he missed like two weeks. So we've seen where these guys haven't cleared concussion protocol, but they seem very optimistic about it. Um, but they just have a lot of dogs on this on this roster. They seem like a really mentally strong team. And it has been a, a weird year of NFL parody. I mean, even Max Crosby was telling me, I'm looking at my notes, he was just basically saying, you know, look, it really is any given Sunday. And so in this case, any given Thursday, um, it's hard to say. I just, I think I trust this Cowboys offense a lot more than I trust theirs. And when you consider it, they're missing a lot of key pieces. I mean, a lot of off the field issues, they lost their head coach. They lost, you know, Henry uh, Ruggs and that awful um, suspected DWI crash. It was awful. Um, and so there's just been a lot that they've been dealing with mentally, but I think for, for them, it's, you know, it's something personal for your coaches. And we saw the way, that this Cowboys team played for Dan Quinn when he played against his old team, the Falcons. I expect the Raiders and that defense to play equally as hard for guys like uh, Rod Marinelli and, and, and this team's case, Rich Passaccia. So I think it'll be a good game. Jay, without being complacent, you would expect the Cowboys to, to win this division, but the NFC race in terms of the fourth seed and the second seed is still very competitive and the Cowboys are in with a fair show. What have you made of the NFC in, 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 in overall? I mean, the, the Cardinals have been a bit of a surprise and, I mean, just teams losing games. Rams have lost twice in a row. Just teams that are kind of inconsistent of late. And the Bucs haven't looked that strong as of late. Now, granted, they came back fine, but we're talking about the Giants. Uh, and last night, you know, you're just kind of looking at that game going. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, the Cowboys right now in the East specifically only have a two and a half game lead. And I think right now they'd be the four seed. So you'd be playing some of the tougher teams. So you don't really want that. So it'll be interesting to see how McCarthy manages all that. I do think, I think the Packers and, and Rodgers look the strongest to me. I don't know if I trust uh, the Rams. And I look at the Cardinals, the way they're playing with Colt McCoy, hook them. I went to Texas, uh, watching him step up in the absence of Kyler Murray. I mean, I think the Cardinals have become the team to beat, which is amazing to me. Cliff and I have been friends for a very, very long time before he was an NFL coach and before I was uh, a reporter in this league. And there were so many people as he was getting ready to leave college and take this NFL job that doubted him. And so I love seeing it for my friend, you know, personally, I just love that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look at these teams, I think the NFC is sort of fascinating right now. The Cowboys just need to be really, really careful at this point. Like, again, I wanted to call the Broncos game an anomaly. I think I'd already kind of said the Kansas City Chiefs game in Arrowhead was going to be a tough one and it's Andy Reid. Um, but if they don't win this Raiders game and they don't beat the Saints, the Saints is going to be your next test. And Sean always comes ready to play the Cowboys. He loves to show Jerry what he's missing. You know, he's like the girl that got away that didn't get the ring. Um, 
but I, they haven't had, I don't know if I trust their quarterback. They've had significant injuries to their, you know, their offensive line. They don't have Michael Thomas, their wide receiver. So if the Cowboys can't get these two wins, you know, a team that just lost three, um, the saints who've been up and down, even though it's, you know, the Mercedes Superdome, which is like a whole nother level. That's the other team I cover. Then I think you have to really start talking about this team. Of course, they've got the Cardinals in December, um, right after New Year's. And then it's divisional games. They're playing Washington twice. And I think the Giants away, yep. uh, in December. So then it's just, it's all NFC. Um, so I think that's why it's not a must win to win against the Raiders and the Saints, but I think it's a must win for their mentality heading in uh, to this final stretch of the year. Jane, just want to thank you first off for coming on. Never mind being live there from the star in Frisco. Cowboys Thanksgiving week. Want to wish you, your family, everybody involved there. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game on Thursday. And thank you again for your support. And hopefully we can get you on again. Maybe down the stretch in the playoffs. Who knows, maybe that can lead the Cowboys team boys to uh, the NFC Championship game. But Jane, thank you so much and have a great Thanksgiving. Anything for my Irish brethren. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jane. Thank you, Jane.